You are listening to the Just Between Us Women podcast, hosted by Leah Brueggemann and Katherine Johnson. We are bringing you conversations about topics you might feel strongly about, but are too afraid to begin. How we navigate entrepreneurship as a wife and a mom without losing ourselves in either identity. We want to open the conversation and how we continue to grow in our faith while pursuing our passions. How strong communities of women help us to grow personally and ways to foster them. And taboo subjects no one wants to bring up don't need to be a business owner, a wife, or a mom to come join us. All you have to have is a desire for discussions that scratch deeper than the surface. Hey ladies, welcome back to another episode. I brought on a very good friend of mine, Brigitte Bornstein, which I believe I said your last name correct. Nope. Okay. I don't know. I practiced it. So we'll just run with it. Um, we, I really wanted to bring her on to talk about leadership. So she went to the Virginia Military Institute. And so obviously you have to learn about leadership there, but we have conversations about this all the time in messages and on Instagram, like whenever something, you know, comes to our attention, because yes, you do have to lead as a woman, but you have to lead as a woman not trying to be a man. And so she always has some wonderful insights on this. She actually has a course on leadership and just speaks very eloquently on it. So I wanted to bring her on. So I'm going to give you the floor. I would love for you to just share a little bit about yourself and what kind of sparked your interest about leadership. Oh, awesome. Well, first I wanted to say thank you. I mean, I love your all's podcast. I love just like the refreshing perspective that you two bring. And whenever I listen, I literally just feel like I'm sitting around like a little table, you know, Leah, Catherine and me, even though we're (laughs) states away, I just, I just love the feel of like a just casual, open, fluid conversation. So I'm super excited to have one of these with you guys today, but I guess a little bit about myself. You said my name perfectly, Leah. Um, and it's a bear. So congratulations. Um, I am 24 years old. Like you said, I graduated in 2019 from the Virginia military Institute and to take the focus off myself. I mean, I have to just say that I'm so thankful. It was, it was a challenging experience, but I honestly don't think a single day goes by when I'm not so thankful that I had the opportunity to go to that school. And, you know, plenty of people go to any number of, of amazing schools, um, but plenty of people go to VMI and, and don't necessarily take advantage of all the opportunities that it has. And I feel like I was able to do that. And so I am so thankful that I had that gift of preparation and of being taught leadership, you know, literally in a classroom, but also in all sorts of other areas. And it's just been incredible to serve me in different areas and obviously launch me into something that I'm super passionate about and can't can't wait to to talk with you guys about but um I guess some fun facts I live in North Carolina but I'm from Kentucky I live in North Carolina with my husband he's in the Marine Corps so that's what brought us here we're sort of living a little bit of the nomadic lifestyle right now we're actually waiting to find out where we're going to move next and we have no idea when, where, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really fun. So I love talking about leadership. I love, um, I truly get my heart filled by seeing somebody else walking in, walking confidently in their God-given potential as a young woman, woman in leadership of herself, of her family, of her, you know, insert career path or entrepreneurial path here um, absolutely gets me super fired up. So I'm excited to be with you guys. Oh, I love it. Okay. Okay. So let's just dive right in because Catherine and I talked about this on a podcast episode, but you can be a strong woman. You can be a woman without being like, hear me roar. Let's like stomp on men to become like a stronger woman. So let's dive into that. Like, let's, let's talk about it. Like what does leadership as a woman look like? Well, before saying what I think leadership looks like as a woman, I think it's different for everybody. You know, every single person is different and they have 
you know, you, I'm looking at Leah, has different uh, traits and leadership skills from Catherine, who has different traits and leadership skills from Brigida, and, and, but we all have a few things in common that I think are pretty confusing. Uh, so before kind of giving an idea of what I think leading as a woman looks like, I think it's just important to recognize that it is confusing. We live in a world <laughs> with a very loud message in society that is so backwards and honestly a little bit heartbreaking. And I'm only saying that from the perspective of like, literally, I just told you nothing brings me more joy. That's not true. Yes. Some things bring me more joy than this, but one of my, one of my greatest joys is seeing someone walking in their God-given potential as a woman, knowing their gifts and talents. Um, and I think from a faith-based perspective, actually, can I give a book recommendation? Yeah. This is not a leadership book from, but from a, from a, from a Christian faith-based perspective, trying to figure out like, okay, what are those God-given gifts? A great book is Captivating by John and Stacey Eldridge. And it just sort of walks through the beginning of Eve and it lets you know, hey, this is, um, this is why women have XYZ insecurities. This is why women have XYZ uh, talent. It's a, it's a quick read, but I, I loved I it. I need this um, book. I'm going to say, I'm going to add that to my list immediately. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've got a copy. I can, I can share it with anybody, but I just, I just think it's important to recognize that there's this confusing message. Cause there is, like you just said, Leah, there's this, I'm a woman, hear me roar. And that's so, it's so off-putting. I mean, if we think about who are our top five leaders that we really admire? Do any of them walk into a room with that sort of an attitude? I mean, like, is that what we think of when we think of, oh, I want to be a great leader. I want to rise to the top of this company. I want to be an amazing and encouraging mom. Like, do we really, if we stop and we think about it, do we really think, yeah, I need to barge into the room. I need to say what I've got to say. I need to be bold and aggressive and I don't think so. I mean, I think if we really stop and think of what the greatest leaders are, a lot of times they're not the loudest person in the room. A lot of times they are slow to speak, quick to listen. They are clear communicators. They are respectful of other people. They don't, that doesn't mean that you let yourself get walked all over. But I think if we just take a second to think about that um, very popular idea of what a female leader should be and we just disconnect that and then look at okay but what do I actually think of as a good leader you'll see that they don't match up at all and the, the great news is that women actually tend to if they don't follow that idea of what society says is popular and if you just lead as a woman you actually more likely than not have the most powerful leadership style anyway, and it's called transformational leadership. And studies have shown uh, a lot of them are, are shared by um, Harvard Business Review. They do a lot of studies comparing men versus women in the workplace and their leadership styles. And a lot of what they found was women happen to be more likely a lot of times to really show that leader, that, um, that transformational leadership style, which is widely regarded as the very best. And transformational leadership is, um, you know, if I'm leading one of you, then my main focus is not on myself and it's not on making myself be heard or seen as the best. It's on how can I inspire you to be your best? How can I inspire you to really be a part of this team and community? It's very relational. It's how can I listen to you and um, learn how to communicate with you in a way in which you will best receive it? It's a lot of things like that. And women are great at being relational. And that's a, that's a really great thing. So that's, that's a little bit about, I feel like I just sort of went on a little loop-de-loop, -loop, but oh. that's a little bit about women's leadership. I love that. I, I'm thinking though, like as you were talking, like why should women, like where do we have to lead? Like why do we have to lead? You know, because 
I know, for example, like if you are married, you know, technically you're looking to your husband for that leadership. So I think sometimes, you know, we may think as a woman, well, why would I have to learn that? Why should I care about that? I don't have to lead like I'm married or um, I'm planning on getting married. So why, why is this something we should care about? Um, I know that was kind of like a loaded bomb. I just <laughs> dropped. <laughs> no, I actually think that that's such a great question. And I'm sort of going to pretend like I'm Drew right now. So Drew's my husband. Um, and I'm answering this from the perspective of we do, we do not yet have kids, um, mm-hmm. but I also am very close with my mom. So I'll answer it from her perspective too, a little bit. So from my husband's perspective, I know you asked me, but if he <laughs> were to answer that question, like if, if you were to ask him, why does Brigida, my wife, need to still be a leader, even though I, Drew, the, am the leader of the house, Um, I think one of the favorite things about me that he would say is that he knew before we got married that I was independent. Um, But that doesn't mean that I don't still submit and that that I don't still humble myself before him. You know, we are both very quick to apologize. And um, at the end of the day, I will give my opinion on a decision that we're making, but he has the final say. Uh, and I'm great with that. I mean, honestly, for all of the wives that are like, oh, well, I want to have the final decision. I'm like, that's great. Like I'm free of the responsibility if it goes totally South. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, we both kind of bear the responsibility there, but, but I think, I think that it's important to still be independent and maintain a personal identity right? Because if you just totally absolve yourself of any leadership responsibility within your relationship as husband and wife, then you're not necessarily having your priorities straight. I'm really not doing a great job of wording this, but, um, you know, it's God first, Drew second, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I'm not leading myself towards Christ first, and if I'm looking to Drew first, then I just don't think that that's really a setup for success. And I do think that that leadership towards Christ, leadership of self, I think is really, really important because that's how we just sort of like have this very fluid motion as a partnership. Yes, he is the leader of, of the two of us. And one day, Lord willing, if we have a family, like he will be the leader of the family, but I still take initiative. I still um, instigate things. I still start conversations. I still lead myself. Uh, I still, um, you know, as the leader in that relationship or as the, as the wife in that relationship, you still have so much um, power is not a good word, but there's, can you guys help me? Presence. 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 No, I knew where you were going to go with that. That's why I asked that question. Cause I've had enough conversations with you to know that like the reason why women need to lead is to lead ourselves first. That's and I so think, hard to word. yeah, but like how, how hard is that? It, it's so hard. Like literally, you know, it requires so much discipline. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I totally get not, not power presence. Presence is probably maybe the word we're going for. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, how you were. Yeah. I love how you Brigitte were talking about too. Like you should think of your priorities first, like it's supposed to be God and then your husband and then it's you, but to be able to like prioritize correctly, you have to focus on you first before you're able to focus on your husband. Well, focus on God. Well, and the whole point is like to glorify God. That's like literally why he created us is to glorify God. So if we're not trying to lead ourselves in that direction, we can't rely on like our husband or our friends or other people to lead us in that direction. Like we have to rely on ourselves and God to lead us in that direction. Yeah. Step one. Oh, I love that. Okay. I guess let's, let's head into our next territory. So what would be some guidelines? Like, what are some things that you should think about when you're like, okay, how do I 
even think about that topic of being a leader. I know. I'm sorry. More <laughs> more bombs for you to unload. Uh, how to think of the topic of being a woman leader? That's the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, hmm. Especially more so, I think, like, um, like you said, all of um, everything that the message of the world, like, throws in your face is not, like, it's never gentle leadership. Like it's never like, um, I know Catherine jokes about being a Catholic feminist, but if we even like think about the feminist movement, like, like their message, I truly believe is so anti-feminist, like, because it's mm-hmm. just, let's make women more like a man. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why the heck would we want to do that? Um, so even if it's just, you know, books that you would recommend or, you know, different habits to start cultivating or things to think about to kind of like change that mindset away of like what leadership looks like as a woman, because obviously um, you, you want to lead as a woman, not as, you know, what feminism is today. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, first this just sort of popped into my head. I would kind of check yourself and who you follow, um, right? Because like the very beginning of this conversation, it's confusing. It's mm-hmm. it's very confusing to understand what a good female role model looks like. Uh, when you turn on your TV, you're probably not going to find it. When you open up Instagram, you're going to have to be really intentional to find it. So I would just check who you follow. Uh, and I don't mean, you know, unfollowing people you just disagree with or whatever, but like, look at it and be like, okay, is this person inspiring me to be more masculine than I am wanting to be? Okay. Um, I don't, that's not the type of leader that I'm wanting to be. Is this person inspiring me to be like the total opposite end of the spectrum and be angry and vengeful when I walk into a meeting because, you know, I need to have the final say because I am uh, trying to pave the way for other women behind me or something. You know, you have these two extremes or is this person (laughs) just like very simply put, she is a great leader. She has, you know, XYZ really great leadership traits and she just happens to be a woman. And so, I mean, I think I sort of ask myself the question of, Actually, I'm going to back up and tell a little bitty story. So this is a little bit hard to relate to because not too many people have gone to a military school, but it's probably what you think of. You wear, you wear a uniform every single day. You have um, the sort of thing where you stand outside and you raise and lower the flags each morning and evening. It's very regimented. And there's a lot of discipline And the best advice I think I got going into that school where it's only 10% female. So more likely than not, you're the only girl in a, in a classroom full of boys. You're the only girl in a, in a big group run (laughs) trying to keep up. And, you know, you don't want to like, you don't want to not finish the run. Cause then like, oh, you're the only, you're, you're a girl. So you couldn't do it. Um, There's a lot of that. And the best advice I got was from my brother and he graduated from the same school. We both went to the Virginia Military Institute and before I entered in, or, or maybe when I was having some, some tr- trouble trying to figure out who I am as a leader, he told me, Brigida, the best women that I work with, and, and my brother is in the army. So he said, the best women that I work with are the women who just lead as a woman. And in hindsight, like, how cool is that? That he said that to me years ago. And I sort of just kept that in the back of my mind. And so then by the time I became a senior, I was in a leadership position over mostly men. And it was so sweet. I'll never forget this one time. I I was always asking for feedback. Okay, guys, how can I improve, right? Because, you know, yes, I took it super seriously, but I was there to learn. I was there to improve. You're a senior in college. It's not a job. It's 
you're there to learn. So I was constantly asking the other seniors, juniors, sophomores, how can I improve in my leadership? Because you guys are watching me. I'm leading you. What can I do better? And one of the best pieces of, of feedback I got was, um, you know, he's a 20, 21 year old guy. And he goes, well, you know, to be honest, when you first got this position, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing, but when you first got this position, I was was really kind of skeptical, but you know, I actually really like that you're, you're kind of like a mom. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, that's some weird feedback, but he sort of went on to explain that he actually grew to really appreciate that I was leading with, you know, and this is just me, Brigida. I am a nurturing person. I do like to be the person who will sit down with you and not just say, hey, how are you? And check my phone. Like, I like to be, hey, how are you actually? I really love to get to know people. Um, And so I just brought that into this super like strict and disciplined military life. And I would sit down with these 21 year old guys and be like, okay, like, I heard you're going through a tough breakup. Like, let's talk about it, you know? And um, they really grew to appreciate that nurturing side of me. And I just had to sort of fight against and put blinders on so that I didn't pay attention to these messages that were telling me, no, you can't uh, have that girly side of you. You can't um, be like that because they need to see you as tough. They need to see you as like, having skin of steel and never getting um, emotionally irritated or anything like that. And I had to just sort of like surrender that and be like, okay, I am going to just let my gifts that God gave me as a woman to be inclined to communicate, to be nurturing, to really care about these individuals, maybe more than some performance focused goals. And, um, and I think that that's where women start to flourish because if you're doing the opposite, if you're trying to be a leader that you're not, then you're trying to be somebody that you're not. And when you're trying to be some, if you're trying to be a person that you are not, then you are, it's like that saying, you are just fitting a square into a circle peg or whatever that thing, whatever that saying is, right? It just doesn't Mm -hmm. fit. You can try Mm -hmm. all you want all day long. And it's just not going to fit. You're constantly going to feel insecure. You're constantly going to feel less than. You're constantly going to be misperceiving people's reactions to your leadership as as disapproval because you're because you're disapproving of yourself and you're not feeling comfortable with yourself. Um, so I hope that that I hope that that helps a little bit. But that's just sort of how I think of it. I think of it as if I'm not being myself, if I am not aware of my leadership traits, then I'm just hitting my head up against a wall. But, but I think a lot of that starts with recognizing it. And, and that's, that's sort of why I told the story of, of my brother telling me that the best women he works with are the women who just lead as a woman. And I think that it starts with recognizing it. It involves some intentional asking yourself, you know, what am I surrounding myself with? Right? Because if you're constantly hearing a message that's contradictory to who you who you really want to be um then that's probably not setting yourself up for success and then I think after that it's just self-awareness so I would constantly ask them for feedback hey how am I doing because I knew that I had blind spots that I wouldn't be able to see and I had a mindset of of learning you know I'm going to just try and improve and get better and work on this and then being self-aware which means, you know, sometimes asking for feedback, but also just being honest with yourself. You know, it's okay to say, you know, I am so good at this. Like, that's okay. That's being honest. That's not being prideful. Um, But it's also okay to be like, all right, I really need to work on, you know, something else. And uh, I think a lot of times we are either too, too much of a hotshot in our own mind or way too much of a Debbie Downer and we don't see any, any good stuff and that, that doesn't help anybody either. So um, yeah, being intentional with who you follow, being self-aware, asking for feedback um, if that's applicable and then, uh, uh, what was the other one? I think that was the, it. The, it was the main ones. Yeah. Um, 
I, so the thing that I really heard from that was leadership starts with being Mm self-aware because if you don't know where you are to start with, you don't know what you need to work on, Mm -hmm. um, which is really, really hard. (laughs) Um, I think, cause when I was younger, um, I'm with you. I always learn by stories, Mm -hmm. but like when I was younger, um, I very, I'm, I still am a very much outgoing person, but I used to be like, take my personality now. And like, it was like 10 times more blunt, like, because I grew up with six brothers. And so my brothers were just like straightforward. They just tell you whatever. And like, I always make jokes about this, but like, I had a younger brother that would literally just be like, look over and be like, so you remember when you were running last summer, you should go back to running like you were last summer. Like you just say stuff like that. Granted, you know, he, we were, we were younger, but like, um, that's what I just grew up with. You know, guys are very straightforward. And so for me, I had a very outgoing personality. So I was often put into that leadership just because I was the one that had no problem talking. Mm -hmm. But for me, I really had And I still, to this day, have to work on stepping back and just listening because um, I have to like kind of um, uh, give more grace to that blunt side of me (laughs) and know that like sometimes the first thing that pops into my mind may not be the best thing to say in a certain situation, Um, which I I still work on. Obviously, I'm still extremely blunt if you know me. We're working on it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think it definitely starts with uh, self-awareness, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Catherine? Um, I think it's very interesting that you brought up like how it started even as like a young child. Um, And yes, having six brothers, I'm sure played a large role into having to speak up more. I can relate to that because I have a lot of, I have a lot of sisters, but I have a lot of brothers as well. Um, but I think it's super interesting because like gender studies and relationship, like relational studies are super interesting to me. And I was actually reading, it's another Harvard study that they've done of like on kids and like the way that they're, they view leadership as children and like what they're surrounded with, how that plays into how you view leadership. And they were saying that like most boys when they're little are always encouraged to be a leader. So like on the playground at school, if another boy is, I don't want to say like dominating another boy, but you know, like kicking butt on the playground, (laughs) they parents and teachers look at that as, Oh my gosh, she's such a great leader. Like they don't discourage that unless they're being a bully, but otherwise, you know, it's, Oh, they're a really great leader. You know, they're stepping up. They're like taking charge. Whereas little girls on the playground, if you go over to like the swing set and one little girl is telling the other two, like, you're not swinging correctly. This is how you're supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to swing. They look at her as bossy. They don't look at her as leader. And they say, you're being bossy. Like you need to knock it off. So I just think that's super interesting that from like a young age, and I can relate to that as a kid, like I am a lot like Leah, I've always been very outspoken, very blunt. And like, yeah, I heard that a lot as a kid is like, you're bossy. And that's not like saying that my parents were you know, trying to discourage me from being a leader in any way, shape or form is just, that's kind of the norm most, I don't know. So I, I don't know. I think that's, I don't have a lot to say other than that's super interesting. And I now being a mom, of course, I don't have girls yet, but that's just something in the back of my mind for my boy and, you know, hopefully future children of like how we talk to them as kids and like what we encourage them, how we encourage them as kids is going to play like a really large role in how they view themselves when they're older and how they view leadership and how they view like the opposite sex and just gender roles and all that stuff. So I just, I don't know. I think it's super interesting. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I agree. And it's, it is so weird how we like talk to boys versus girls differently mm-hmm. in the same situation. And in that instance, like I understand where women get annoyed, you know, because they're like, well, in this situation, we praise the men, but in the same situation, mm-hmm. we fault the woman. Um, mm-hmm. And I can totally see how that is frustrating. And I can see where um, <clears throat> I can see where that's coming from, but 
I, I think though, like if that is your natural like gift, you know, is to be outspoken, you know, I also think that, um, men should taper that as well. Like I'm like not taper being a leader, but like, you know, I think men have something to learn from that as well. You know, I don't think they should just, um, squish little kids (laughs) in the playground, like you were talking about, (laughs) um, you know, and so many times I think people are always like, Oh, boys will be boys, you know, girls Mm -hmm. stop being bossy. Like they expect more out of girls in some ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really know where my train of thought is going from this, but I just think that you also need to cultivate, you know, the men, your boys to also listen and grow that just as much as, um, you nurture that in your girls and, you know, show them how to use it, you know, because when you're younger like that, you know, like we said, we're just very blunt and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but Mm -hmm. we need to be shown at that younger age. Like, how do you use that? Like, okay, maybe they are swinging wrong and they need to, you know, be corrected so they don't fall down and break their arm. But Mm -hmm. like, as the adult, like, is there a way that you could show that little girl, like how to rephrase that? So Mm -hmm. it comes across better because I think, um, something you said, Brigitte, uh, when you're leading, like you, you could say all the right things, but if it's not heard correctly, um, it doesn't mean anything. And so I also think that's another great trait of a leader is knowing how to teach and relate to whatever, to whoever they're leading, whatever Mm -hmm. their, whoever their audience is, you know, because you always need to tap into whatever skills you have as a woman, but you also need to know how does your audience learn? Because even if you're a great leader, if you're not adapting to your audience, it's not going to be very beneficial. I guess Mm -hmm. that's where I was going with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it really definitely depends on your audience and who you're speaking to. And that definitely, to me, that's the trying to, the sign of a really good leader, whether man or woman is like, if you have a male leader talking to a group of men, he's going to speak, he should speak differently to that group of men than he would in front of a group of just women. Um, because men and women are different and we think differently and we respond Mm -hmm. very differently as well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's a tough one because I mean, a lot of times you can say the perfect thing Mm -hmm. and if somebody's having a bad day, they are just going to like, totally be like what do you mean like you're being so you know rude or whatever and you're like I literally said the nicest thing ever you know sometimes you're Mm -hmm, just kind mm -hmm. of totally caught caught off guard but I actually love that you brought up the bossy thing because um I have actually spent a lot of time trying to like figure that out you know and try and be like okay how could I solve this like how could we not have this problem anymore but the conclusion I sort of came to was sort of, sort of twofold, you know, one, I wish that I could go to that little girl on the playground who's being perceived as bossy and get kind of at her, at her heart level, you know, and, and I just hope that that little girl, as she matures, I'm talking about the little girl and the little boy that you used in your, mm-hmm. in your scenario, yeah. right? I wish, I hope that that little girl who is being maybe misperceived as bossy will just grow up and mature to be secure. Mm-hmm. Secure in her own self, comfortable in her own skin, because I feel like that is what makes all the difference in your delivery. If you go into a conversation feeling insecure about yourself, then nine times out of 10, you, you actually probably will come off as bossy. And I mean, that I don't know why that happens with more women is being perceived that way. I think that a lot of it is just sort of like maybe n- nothing that I can definitely do anything about because I'm no like magician, but I think that a lot of it can be solved with looking at being self-aware. Like, like you mentioned, Leah, like really looking at your heart and your mind and your insecurities and not bringing them into a conversation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But that does still leave room for chance to occur when we are just like, we could say the most perfect thing and it's just totally misperceived. 
And the advice I always give when someone asks me about that question, you know, how can I, how can I never be misperceived as bossy, right? Like that's impossible. I always just say the best thing you can do is first check yourself and then be as genuine as possible and trust your intentions. Because I've been in that situation before where it just rips me apart. Like I get like every button on me gets pushed to be really irritated if I think that someone is misperceiving me. If they think that I'm, if I don't like them, but I, but I do, you know, or if they mm-hmm. think that I'm being impatient with them, but, but I am honest to God, like I, I'm, I'm being totally patient with them. You know, that misperception just really gets at me because I feel like it's just making me feel so bad and then I'll feel guilty and I just want them to know that I care about them. But if they're just having none of it, that kills me. And the best advice I have for somebody who's being really bothered by that or is being called bossy when they're really not being that way is to really check yourself. Okay, am I bringing my insecurities into this conversation? Nope. All right, next. Am I being genuine and transparent? Yep. Okay, next. I just need to trust that continue to be as genuine as possible and and just trust that my intentions are as good as they're going to get and sometimes a few of those conversations just fall through the cracks and it really stinks but I also feel like kind of um what you guys were saying a little bit about um communicating in a way in which it's received I feel like that's so applicable to leading yourself in a marriage Mm -hmm. uh like a million times over because you have so you, you I mean you have just a perfect science experiment of a man and a woman who probably have different love languages and probably communicate totally differently and you're trying to make that work for you know your entire uh committed life together so I just thought that that was sort of interesting yeah oh gosh so Okay. I feel like there's so much to like unpack though. Like mentally, I have to like rethink this, even my, like the conversation myself, but what would, what are some first steps you would recommend to somebody like being like, okay, like how can I be more self-aware? Like how can I start being a better leadership to my leader to myself and controlling what's going on in between my two ears? Um, what would be your, what would be your thoughts and tips there? Um, actually something that you sort of encouraged me to get better at and, and be more intentional about. Um, and I think that's journaling. Um, I used to just, oh, this is going to sound so rude, but I used to think that journaling was the stupidest thing ever. Me too. So did me we. <laughs> yeah. I looked at it as like the biggest waste of time, but then oh, yeah. like when I actually did it, I feel like that extra slowness and I don't mean journaling on your laptop, on a Word doc, a pen mm-hmm. and a paper, like the slowness of having to write it out makes me sort of question each word that I'm writing. And so if you, if you ask yourself, maybe your journal prompt for tonight is like, am I self-aware? Like, maybe that's the question that you just spend five minutes, like put a timer on your phone and then put it on do not disturb and then flip it over and turn it off or like click it closed and you just ask yourself okay am I self-awareness so first in your journaling you would ask yourself okay what does self-awareness mean self-awareness means being aware and observant and honest and transparent in my perception of myself and communicating honestly with myself so once you've got the definition out of the way then you're asking yourself am I self-aware okay so um if I were to go through this exercise right now, I would have to be honest with myself and say that, okay, I could definitely improve in being more self-aware with my husband because sometimes he walks in and I just start blabbing on and on and on about my day before I ask him about his day, right? So like, that's not being self-aware. That's being very, very self-focused um, as opposed to being aware of like my surroundings or my environment, maybe he's had a tough day at work. And so maybe I should ask him about it before I launch into my thing. So I just feel like that was just a random example. But if you just sit down with a pen and paper, you ask yourself the question, you take away your distractions that can pay you back so much more than the five or 10 minutes that you spend 
doing what might feel like a waste of time because then you're going to get that, you know, whatever that system, I can never remember the name of it. Um, that part of our brain where we will think about something for a minute, but then our brain keeps on thinking about it for like, you know, a couple days, you'll journal about this for five minutes. And then the next day you'll be in a situation where you have the opportunity to either be more self-aware or be less self-aware. And because you journaled about it and you thought about it just for five minutes, really intentionally and, and in a focused manner, then that next time you have the opportunity to either improve or slide backwards, you're more likely to improve because it's just sort of ruminating and marinating in the back of your brain. And then you'll, you'll see that opportunity for improvement. You'll be like, oh, okay, Drew, how was your day today? Like, I'm going to ask you about this before I focus on me, 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 me. Um, and then you're just taking one more step towards being a more self-aware person and towards being a better leader of yourself and towards having better relationships and towards, um, you know, inspiring more people and whatever it is that you want to do. I love oh. that you brought up that being self-aware is different from being self-focused. I love that you brought that up and I would love if you would explain that a little bit more because I think that especially in a society that's like pounding us with self-care and I mean self-care is great but you know I think sometimes we can go on the op like the pendulum swings so far into like everything has to be about me and I have to take the best care of myself and then we forget about the other people in our lives so I'd love if you could talk about that a little bit more and like what that difference really means. Okay, so the difference between self-awareness and, and being self-focused. Self-focus. Mm -hmm. Okay, so as soon as you asked me that question, I actually sort of heard my mom's voice in my brain. Um, my mom is late 50s, coming up on 60, and she, she has such a problem with the self-care movement because of that extreme. Mm -hmm. And she has you know, <laughs> raised uh, three children with her blood, sweat, and tears poured into it. She has taken a, a servant's heart approach to marriage, to raising tr children, to serving other people in her businesses. And from that perspective of somebody who has worked hard and always put her kids and husband first, now granted, yes, I think she would also admit that she could have probably taken, you know, well, she hates baths, but, you know, she could have taken a, you know, insert whatever self-care like treatment yeah. thing here every once in a while, but it's so demeaning towards hard work, just how self-focused a lot of that movement is. It has so much truth to it, but I feel like it's just clouded by self focus instead of self-awareness. So if you just think of like the self-care movement, and I just, cause I think that that's a really easy way to illustrate the difference between self-awareness and self-focus. Self-focus would be like sort of going overboard on self-care, you know, taking so much time, like all, like putting yourself for, I think it's putting yourself first, actually. Yeah. I think self-focus is I'm the most important, my needs first, my sleep first, you know, um, it, it just puts such a bad reputation on the gift that having children is because you open up Instagram and all you see is, is a lot of young moms complaining about how hard it is and how they never get any rest. And I'm talking to two moms and I'm not a mom and I probably seem obnoxious, <laughs> but um, I know it's a lot of hard work, but it, it's supposed to be hard. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that that self-focus is just meeting your needs first. And it's nowhere, nowhere in leadership is self-focus respected. You know, Jesus is the best example we have of a servant leader. Mm -hmm. He washed people's feet. He mm -hmm. was super duper tired and exhausted and still healed, still worked, still encouraged, still reached out, right? So if we just strive to be Jesus, then you are to be like Jesus, not to be Jesus, but then <laughs> you, you immediately know that 
self-focus has no room there, but self-awareness, that's different. For me, I think of self-awareness as humility, not just with myself, but with other people. So if you're self-aware, you're going to be quick to apologize. Um, and that's kind of hard to do sometimes. If you're mm -hmm. self-aware, then you're going to realize like, oh, you know, what I said was actually kind of obnoxious. Let me go talk to that person and say, I'm sorry. Um, being self-aware could mean um, being patient. And I think being self-aware is not putting yourself first. But this is such a hard thing to talk about because like, of course, you don't want to just like burn the candle at both ends, right? So mm -hmm. I think the balance between the two is like changing the oil in your car. <laughs> you have to change the oil in your car. I don't think any person who knows anything about cars would tell you to never, ever do that because then you're not going to be able to drive it anymore. But does that mean that you also have to spend gobs and gobs of, of dollars on getting your car detailed and cleaned every single day, go to the, the, the car wash every single week, um, get new tires when you don't really need them. Like that to me is what I think of unnecessary expenditures on your car. I feel like that would be the extreme of self-care and self-focus, but getting your oil changed, like, okay, yes, you need to do that. Cause then if you don't get your oil changed, you can't keep driving your car. So I feel like that's sort of where I think of the happy medium between self-care and self or self-awareness and self-focus with using self-care as an example. Does that make any sense? There are so many selves here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have, I have some thoughts here really quick because I deal with the opposite end of the spectrum of like people who never take time for themselves and they end up shot. Mm -hmm. um, and so something I was thinking about there, cause I was actually talking to a mindset person the other day and she said, um, and she was recommending that every day you just do one thing. That's not for your, your kids. It's not for your husband. It's literally just for you to like fill your cup up in whatever way that is. And how I think about a little bit of that balance is self-care isn't always a face mask, mm -hmm. you know, and self-care can be eating healthy. So you show up better. Self-care can be, um, you know, not watching the TV show at nighttime and instead journaling so that you can become more self-aware. You know, I think self-care gets this self-care is always getting a pedicure self-care is everyone's always like hashtag self-care. And I think that true self-care is, um, taking care of yourself so that you can show up better for everybody else in your life. And so I think when that becomes more self like focused is maybe when it's taking away from your other responsibilities like they're not getting done because of X, Y, and Z. But I also think this pendulum can swing the other way where if you are not spending time on self-care, you can't show up for your duties the way you're supposed to because you're burnt out. Um, so I think um, that's how I kind of think about it is like um, if I'm doing too much, then I'm not fulfilling my duties. But then also if I'm not able to fulfill my duties because I'm not taking that time. So it's like a very fine line there. And I think mm -hmm. self-care looks different for everybody. Um, and I think so many times people are literally just like hashtag self-care is like sitting on the couch all Saturday and watching TV shows. And I'm like, well, how's that serving you? Like, yeah, maybe that would be mm -hmm. fun, but like, you know, how is that truly um, serving you in that way? And that's kind of how I think about a little bit of that because you know, not watching that TV show or going to bed earlier and like spending that time journaling is a, a humendous um, form of self-care, you know, but mm -hmm. that would mm -hmm. never get the popular hashtag self-care, you know, mm -hmm. um, that's kind of my thoughts there. I think you said that way better than I did, by the way. Um, <laughs> no, I, I like just, I talk about it a lot. So. <laughs> well, yeah, that just reminded me. I felt like I need to give credit where credit is due. You you did teach me a lot of that lesson. Um, not necessarily like difference between self-awareness and self-focus, but like self-care, you absolutely are the one who taught me the happy medium because I was on the extreme of like, no, never. Like, you know, every mm -hmm. workout has to be like the hardest thing ever. And mm -hmm. um, taking baths is the most selfish thing ever. And like mm -hmm. stretching before bed, like awful. And I was just like all the things that 
actually now I think helped me be much more productive and, and show mm-hmm. up as a much more positive person to everybody else. You totally, I have to give you credit for that. Cause you just, you helped me feel comfortable being in that happy medium, which I think is really hard for a lot of people to find. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, and it's, it's still, it's still hard for me. Cause I was even, <clears throat> I was actually on a different podcast. I was interviewing a practitioner and she was saying that so many times people think winding down is just watching a TV show when in reality, like winding down is maybe it's coloring or reading mm-hmm. a book, something that's actually winding down your body. And so I think, I think self-care has gotten a very like tainted, um, you know, people think self-care is spending bougie amounts of money and, you know, um, bougie treatments being, and it kind of yeah. like gotten it's like almost people almost think of self-care e- equals like some sort of beauty treatment or something which yeah. it totally doesn't <laughs> yeah. or like yeah a massage or something fancy um yeah I think self-care is definitely like what you said it's self-care is actually doing things that are going to optimize your life like they're going to opt it's going to optimize your relationships it's going to optimize you and your leadership positions it's going to optimize you as a wife, as a mom. Um, and yeah, that's going to look different for everybody. What that looks like. Journaling is self-care for some people. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, mm-hmm. everyone should journal. No, <laughs> I, think, I think so. <laughs> Coming from three previous journaling haters, I feel yes. like we've got a little bit of credibility here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Literally journaling. I thought journaling was so stupid. <laughs> How my views have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay. So just wrapping up here, do you have any other thoughts that you would love to leave our audience with Brigida? Uh, hmm. I guess, um, I guess if you've made it this far in the podcast, I think I would just say thank you because I feel like if you are showing this level of commitment already to spending, you know, however much time trying to learn about, um, and, and sort of hear, hear these voices just as, it sort of goes in the back of your mind of like, okay, what does it look like for me to be the woman leader that I was created to be? What does it mean for me to flourish as a woman, as a leader of myself, with my family, with my friends, um, online, in my job, then I just think that you're doing yourself a great service. And if you just keep up this intentionality, then you're going to do the world a great service because we really need more women to step into their potential as a woman, being comfortable in their own skin and just being themselves. It's really that cheesy, simple, but we really need it. So I think that uh, I would just say thank you. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on and gracing us with this conversation. We really appreciate it. No, this was so fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Just Between Us Women podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Just Between Us Women podcast, and we absolutely would love to hear from you. If you found this episode helpful, share it with a friend and be sure to share it to your Instagram story and tag us so we can see. You can expect episodes every Tuesday.